Yes, hello, I am James Rhodes, and today it's the WNR 351. It's NXT UK, and I have the pleasure to be joined by It's the WNR Dan. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Oh, all good, all good, all good to have you back here now. Someone alongside me to watch NXT UK. It's been really, really fun, and I'm glad that you are on board. And of course, uh, some of the wrestlers are going to be very familiar to you, Dan, as well, because your history with British wrestling. Yes, um, you know, we've seen a few uh, live British shows, so hopefully you know, a few new faces crop up here and there. Yeah, without a doubt, but we're going to start with the latest on the network. Yes, boys and girls, everybody listening, we have gone back about two years now, and we are going to do what everybody uh, have been wanting for a very long time. We're going to have a look on the latest on the network. We're going to start with April and the Hall of Fame. We waited a year, and now you can wait a month for our review, Dan. That would be fair to say, wouldn't it, you know? That is... That is- all right, yeah, that's a good way of doing it. So, JBL first. It wasn't a bad speech. Yeah, up next, we've got the Bulldog. Yeah, I mean, Harry looks all right, but had to talk quick to get a lot of stuff in. Yeah, loved Buffy the Bulldog. Yeah, it's always nice to see another Bulldog on there. Of course, the uh, legend of Matilda lives on. Yeah, uh, Diana looked great. Uh, Dan, <laughs> I told you, leave it. Is leave it still it. too soon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I would have cut the stuff with the superstars being interviewed, because I think for me, that wastes a lot of time in between the induction. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, it was short, but sweet. Shatner. Yeah, William Shatner on Zoom. I mean, he needs to keep that dog quiet. I mean, it really was just a nothing. I am great to be in the Hall of Fame. How many times did he mention Jerry? Uh, actually a couple of times. I mean, that's what he's in for the Hall of Fame for, really. It was really nothing. Uh, the 2020 Legacy class consisted of Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Gary Hart, Brickhouse Brown, Baron Michelle Leone, and Ray the Cripplers. Yeah, so not a bad uh, Legends class that they do there. Uh, we see Bellas rushing through everything in their speech. Cena gets her thanks. Yeah, what has uh, Dana Brooke to her face? I have no idea. And why the fuck are they dressed up? But Yeah, this is the thing. The superstars being in, were all doled up. And then you go to the stage and they're not even watching. So where the fuck are they They're just going back into their locker rooms after being in a suit? It didn't make any sense. Uh, Titus... The- yeah, he won't win any titles, but at least he has this. He delivered a, a, an honest and a very nice... Well. Yeah, with a tear in his eye. Indeed, yes. And the main event, James, N-W-O. For life. Well, it wasn't just for tonight. It was for life. Uh, six, thanks everyone quickly. And he had eyes. His eyes were serial killer eyes. They were really... His eyes looked like his brain is saying... What the fuck has happened to me? Like, honestly. Did, did he look like he'd just kind of <laughs> done something in powdered form in a line version I backstage? not confirm or deny he has or has not. But it seemed like it, yeah. So, well, you know, Hall's speech was even shorter because I think the bar was just about to open and happy hour was ending. Yeah, it was more like, hey, yo, thanks. Uh, Nash gave quite a nice speech. And Hogan was character. Yeah, what a dick Terry has become. Uh, not bad, but could have had more time overall. Went straight. Sorry, are you saying that the Hall of Fame, when you fucking moaned about Lee Jim giving his fame two and a half hours speech, <laughs> and you're saying that it's too short? <laughs> I'm saying I could have done a little bit more speeches, a little less interviewing. But uh, 2021 starts, same promo to start. Kayla Braxton and Graves host this one instead of the King. Yes, and up first was RV Picage. Yeah, I wonder if he stoned those he came out. You know, he had that kind of look about him. 
I think people didn't understand him. Well, he said they tried to change him as a slow start, but a nice speech. Yes, and he... He says, when on top rope, looking at the crowd, it's the best high he should know, which again, was very, very funny. Some more in Spanks. Yeah, that's a really, really nice story. Big E's very funny. Unfortunately, Mella is not. Yes, but Molly Holly... And this was a great speech. Uh, yeah, Mighty Molly had it and... Uh... Made a joke about being more legendary. She listed off several people who had a direct hand in trainer before she thanked the W Universe for embracing her at a time when women was not as popular in pro wrestling. Her speech with smile never left her face when nobody... It seemed like it blew a lot to her as well, you know, through, throughout all her career and that, the ups and downs, and as she said, getting a head shaved that thoroughly deserves. Yeah, and I think without a doubt we're going to see one Holly in the Hall of Fame and it ain't going to be Bob, it's going to be Molly, but she took time to thank the W crew, listed off several names of people who never be mentioned in normal circumstances. This is how great the woman is. She took the time to acknowledge all the unsung heroes who impacted her life in a positive way. Yes, uh, and the Prophets and the Mysterios. Yeah, I don't know fucking why. And up next, the great Harley. They had to subtitle him. I don't think, I think that is fair. He's happy. He's the first Indian-born world champion. Yes, and James, he is training the future stars. So if you ever wonder where Mojo Rawley got his talent from, he went to the great Carly School of Wrestling. Well, it's a shame Mojo Rawley is no longer with us. I, I mean... He's not dead. He's just been released from WWE. Uh, we move on to the celebrity wing, and Ozzy Osbourne appeared via video to thank WWE. You thought six looked shot away the night before. Ozzy Osbourne said, "Hold my beer." Do you think Ozzy Osbourne actually knew what the fuck he was no. doing? He was going, um, "Sharon, Sharon was his Sharon. Get the fucking dogs out of here, Sharon." Well, the video package covered all the major highlights. Major highlights in his WWE appearances. Over the years. Yes, this was the shortest speech of the night. But with time constraints WWE had in place, that was probably for the best. It was odd that WWE did not announce his induction sooner, but it's possible the company was waiting until they recorded a speech for him confirmed. <laughs> yeah, well, thoughts? Sherman! <laughs> no, but it was quite cool, I suppose. Yeah, uh, 2021 legacy listing. Well, it's Dick the Bruiser. Why are you laughing at Dick the Bruiser for? Because that's what I named my penis. He's a really... T- <laughs> my name mine, Pez Watley, which, which is weird enough. And your mum names hers, Buzz... <laughs> Buzz, Buzz Sawyer. And uh, your mum's called Ethel Johnson, which is weird enough. Yes, and yeah. your dad, Paul Bosch. Well, they were announced to be in this year's class. Of and your mum's nickname? <laughs> yeah. Well, Easy E up next, and uh, we get a Bischoff video package. Lean heavily into the New World Order phase of his life in WWE while still covering his entire career in just a few minutes. Well, he started off by making reference to a three-minute warning as a the late Matt Anoa'i and Eddie Fatou. It was a nice gesture that probably meant a lot to his family. Well, the former president of WWE talked about getting into the business and how many lessons he learned along the way. He said every amazing thing he's gotten to do was because he had the privilege of standing on the shoulders of giants. It's a rare moment of humanity for the man who once challenged Vince McMahon to a shoot fight on WWE Night. Uh, would have had Eric as a main event, I think, you know, especially with his time through WCW. I mean, kind of like the NWO got a main event, but the man who kind of was behind the NWO in some... If so, facto way, I don't think kind of good. No, and I think Bischoff is bigger than the NWO as well, and I think that's a bit of a shame we didn't get it to look on. But he looks old, but still good. And I do listen to the fifth greatest podcast in the world, eight, three weeks, that Bischoff is on. 
Indeed, yes. Uh, Seth Owens and Corbin was all in. And then we get the 2021 Warrior Award. was given to long-time WWE employee Rich Herring. He began his career under Vincent J. McMahon over 50 years ago. And he's continued to work for the company on a corporate level. This was actually... Yes, lovely wig. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about... I'm sorry. That is a syrup. Yeah, he is. Uh, Edge and Bailey then interviewed. Uh, yes, Edge is friends with Kane and he deserves it. And Bailey's brother's favourite wrestler. Well, it's Kane! Yes, and the video for Kane's Hall of Fame induction somehow managed to cover most of the big moments in his career, of which there were many. Well, Glenn Jacobs came out with his Kane mask in a podium. He joked about how his mum once brought a sign to a show that said, I raised Kane. He said his mum would get his time. He's missed with his wife and kids, but he said his wife has always been his best tag team partner. I disagree. I think it's The Undertaker. Indeed. Well, I think it's Daniel Bryan, but we won't uh, go into that too much. But the Big Red Monster thanked everyone on the crew and in the production team for always making him look better than he was and all of the wrestlers he has ever worked with. Well, this was elegant and real. Kane had an amazing career and seeing what his own induction was satisfying. He apologised for setting Jim Ross on fire, spoke fondly about Paul Bearer and the Untaker. He set off his pyro one more time to end show. I thought that was absolutely brilliant, yeah. Um, you know, Kane certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The man is an absolute legend. It's Kane! It's Kane! Well, up next, we've got Foley versus Edge at WWE Un told in such a banger and I actually watched the match from Wrestlemania 22 before uh, we went on to watch the documentary stuff going on here yeah and in true uh, Mick Foley kind of style he wanted a mania moment yeah I mean at that point you could say he didn't actually have one you know I mean that would maybe be fair to say for Mick Foley yeah uh, certainly not a mania moment no well, he's called the king of the death match, and Edge was at Mania, uh, WrestleMania six, looking uh, on. Yeah, both both friends. They are both off then. screen, very good friends. Obviously, been both in the business a long time. Both kind of had that hardcore influence on their career, especially with Edge's early on. We see the feud for this built after Edge lost the world championship, which Mick refereed, and Edge cost him. Yeah, um, he told Nick that he loved him. Yeah, and the moment was achieved. This is awesome. It's great backstage stuff as well. Uh, we see Mick's wife more concerned with Edge. I mean, the match itself was awesome. We we see Edge going through the table on fire, and Edge can't help but have his face burn. And you see, you know, burn up. And the first thing he says when he's on the ground, Mick Foley turns to me and goes, I love you, Edge. And Edge says, I love you back. And that kind of connection. And they knew, Mick Foley said he was there, he smelt fire, you know, he's bloody, he's beaten, and he just knew he had the great Mania main event, well, Mania match. What were your thoughts? Because I, like I said, re-watching that, the table on fire and the drawing pins, and a lot of people look at maybe the Randy Orton match. That Edge match, did, was that a point where they go, we can't go any further than that? On WWE television. <laughs> I think, again, you know, that is a lot of Edge saying thank you to Mick Foley as well. Uh, I think in his career, you know, he's kind of Mick Foley is a legend of the business that you can do in a ring. Um, and to kind of, you know, him elevating superstars in that retrospect as well. You know, so it's, yeah. And it's weird how it, you know, continues on. We see on an Edge Chronicle as well. So likeable since the Rumble did and everything. Kind of really nice stuff. But teaching the younger guys now kind of uh, what they're doing. Uh, we had Jericho on the Austin podcast that we covered, of course, in our last episode. We've had some WWE day offs: Sheamus and Miz, uh, Miz at Elimination Chamber, Sheamus at Fastlane, getting ready for their matches against Drew McIntyre, weirdly enough. Not bad stuff. And then the WWE 24 Miz. And John Cena recommended this, so why shouldn't we uh, watch it? Does the Miz, before we start, deserve more respect in your eyes, Dan? Because you've always been a little bit funny. Um, I, I think... You know, for kind of someone who's been through the bit, he has got 
great character mannerisms. You know, you can't help but when he's a hill. Um, but, you know, I've never been his biggest fan as, you know, you have a podcast where he's the greatest fan. But I think he does deserve a bit more credit to what he's done. You know, he's kind of his time as champion is transitional a couple of times. You know, he kind of cashes in his money in the bank and then loses it. Almost. Well, like I said, we're going to get onto it because it's an hour and 80. It's one of the longest one, but it has been some story, hasn't it? You know? Uh, yeah, he was a reality, t- uh, reality star at 20. Yeah, with the uh, Real World on MTV. And he grew up low as a WWE fan. Um, yeah, you know, there was a few cool clips and his parents seemed really proud of what they've done. Yeah, we always, you remember seeing that John Cena one with a WWE title bout? Well, this is very similar to what we saw with The Miz at his hometown. As of course, got his um, break on Tough Enough, finishing second to Daniel Puder. Um, yes, and then on Diva Search, and then The Miz met Maurice. Yeah, so it, it, the thing is, is that Vincent Mann saw The Miz and said, I see you more as a presenter, I want you to do the Diva Search. And he says, well, he didn't really want to do it, but to meet your wife, not a bad fucking chance meeting there, really, is there, you know? Nah, no, you know, it's kind of like, you know, one of them deaths to see like that. <laughs> well, his first live appearance was a botch. You come out to do Diva Search. He had the number written on his wrist, and he actually looked at it. Shawn Michaels mocked him the previous week. He'd mucked up the segment, went backstage, and Vince said to him, what you've got to do is learn bullet points. That's what you've got to do if you want to get it done. Yeah, um, he also had a bad first impression. Yeah, well, he was eating chicken over someone's bag and someone came over and said, you're dropping chicken on my bag? And he said, no, no, sorry, man, I didn't mean to, I'm just eating chicken. Pat then came in and said, if you're fucking eating chicken over some bag disrespecting it, get out of the locker room. Not only kicked out locker room, but for seven months going into toilets and you got kids going, I think the missus in there getting changed because he had to. He said it was humiliating, but it built. I mean, that's an incredible thing to happen. In a professional company. <laughs> I, I think it is, you know, and it kind of, again, no, some people will go, oh, it's bullying, but it's not, it's kind of teaching respect. If the Miz had kind of had a bit of locker room instead of just going in there, eating a chicken over some other wrestler's bag, not giving a flying fuck until he gets caught doing you know, it's like, well, you know, this is not how you behave in a locker room. You get changed on your own and then kind of work your way back in. Yeah, but the people in development, like I said, Zach Ryder, who's no longer with WWE Talking Head, said he heard the horror stories when they're in development about how they were treated Miz and how the fuck were they going to get treated when they got up to the main roster. That's like it, seven months out until he had uh, a match with the... I went up to Undertaker, which basically says to him, look, can I come back in the locker room? I've been that seven months, I've kind of earned it. What do you think? He said it wasn't the Undertaker that kicked him out, but he was the one he had to ask to let him back in. Which again just shows you the power of. Well, that's kind of like the, um, you know, they, there's always this fabled wrestling court, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's been mentioned on podcasts and that, you know, and it, there is a thing, you know, there is a hierarchy in the backstages of WWE, and if you if you got to go to the boss to kind of say, look, can I come back in? Seven months I've been changing in them toilets, and uh, yeah. Well, let back in, and then he started teaming with Morrison, of course, come up with the dirt sheet. I mean, and this is probably when I started to notice The Miz uh, a little bit more with association with John Morrison. How much do you think that helped Miz get to where he was with the teaming up with Morrison? I think that certainly helped because, you know, Morrison, he was a bit of an established wrestler from his time. And, um, you know, Morrison, I think he's an absolute brilliant wrestler anyway, so elevating up who the fans love. So it's kind of like, you know, Help him out a bit. Yeah, I think that. Uh, we see 2009 got drafted to Raw and the uh, dirt sheet got split up. In the first pay-per-view there, he lost to John Cena and Cena made mincemeat out of him. Uh, for me personally, I remember after he was fired in the storyline and returned and he had the short 
pants that he's kind of got now and that kind of look. And that was where, from that point, he kind of moved up. He said he got a lot of red carpet opportunities. Uh, and he said to him, I'll do all your media days. And they go, what? No one ever wants to do it. He goes, I want to learn, be on the microphone, do all his duties. He then said, promo class hosted by Vince McMahon. Wouldn't you love to be in a... You see McIntyre, you see people like Seamus, you see all these guys. And Vince is saying, this is how you do a promo. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> again, I think it was on the um, Drew McIntyre Broken Skull session. And uh, he's kind of saying about the promo class with Vince McMahon and that, you know, it's kind of like a rare opportunity. McIntyre was like, yeah, I'm in. And, you know, one of them is, I think it was like, saying about you've got to have a strong finish. And he pretended to throw a bottle of water at Vince McMahon. Vince flinched and Vince never flinched. And, you know, McMahon, fair play. Well, in, in the, the one that Miz talks about, he was used last in the promo class. And he came up and he basically gave a dig to everybody about how he's the best promo there, how he deserves the opportunity, how he's fought through it. Uh, and he finished it and Vincent Mann went up to him and said, that's why I said you can go last so you can knock out the park. He then said, go on to Raw and just do the promo you've just done now. And then from that, the Miz went on Raw, did that promo, and it kind of, like you said, moved on. Uh, United States title opportunity, Money in the Bank winner as well, and then cashing in on the Orton, Dan. You're still not over that, are you? Go fuck yourself. Well, he says a lot of people were against him. A lot of people were against him being the main event about being a champion. Not only JBL, because we hear JBL saying how much he hated him in commentary, but someone like CM Punk, who said... He should have main evented that WrestleMania against John Cena and not The Miz. And The Miz said, but he's worked half his opportunities. I've always kind of backed Punk, but after seeing this, I can see where The Miz is coming from. What's The Miz done wrong? All he does, he's worked hard, he's had the adversity, he's had his moment. Should that be discredited? Um, See, I still think it was kind of Punk should have been in that moment. But, you know, I think this is two of the similar kind of entitled personality so it you know they're both going to have exactly the same argument again yeah, and then we see the Miz with a lot of people by his side first up Alex Riley who apparently uh, wasn't liked by John Cena for looking too much like him of course main event with John Cena we see the concussion um, where the Miz hits the back of his head during the match uh, did the rock overshadow him do you reckon coming back as the host of it I think so, yeah. You know, I think The Rock, it was a huge, strong personality to have there. You know, someone who is going to take a lot of focus as well. I think he'd come out with a blowtorch and set light to it. No, that's 32 he did that. Oh, was it yeah. yeah, with this one, he just came out as a host, rock bottom, John Cena, Miz got the call. But it was a really cool moment backstage where the Miz is kind of like, uh, and they go, do you remember the match? And he goes, no. And I think Maurice says he worked so hard to get WrestleMania main event and remember it. No. The Rock then come up to him and goes, you're such a bad motherfucker. He's just like, what? He goes, you finished that match with an injury. Well done. For, I've got respect for you. Same with John Cena, same with Vincent Mann. And you're thinking at that point, the Miz, you know, you're going, wow, you know. And even when he first won, cashed in the total on Orton, he came back. You've got Triple H giving him a handshake, Mr. McMahon there. And you see what happens later on when he gets his other uh, title. Awesome Truth with R-Truth. And then becoming a movie star, of course, with the Marine. Again, R-Truth teaming up. Damien Sandow doing all that kind of thing, you know. Mizdow. Mizdow. You know, uh, and then Maurice, of course. And I think Maurice was the kind of, the thing that kind of ticked the Miz into place. You talk about two hills working well off each other. IC champion eight times. Talking smack as well. Dan, we watched this on the podcast, Talking Smack. His promo to Brian was unbelievable. That was, yeah, that was probably one of the best kind of shoot work. 
But I think yeah. it was great, you know. And then he goes back to reality with uh, Miz and Mrs. And then Money in the Bank again. Cash in again. And this time, when he went backstage, last time, you know, a couple of handshakes where it is. This time, everybody's saying, you deserve that, Miz. Well done. Congratulating from AJ Styles to, you know, Cesaro to whoever was backstage. You know, and Miz says he deserves it. Yes, he lost. But he had a match with Bad Bunny, and he was so happy that they stole the show at WrestleMania as well. This was great stuff. For me, he's the first ballot Hall of Fame. Look at that journey. If it was anybody but The Miz, we'd be going, oh, my God, what Hollywood-esque movie. But for some reason, because he doesn't get injured, because he's so consistent, what is the problem with The Miz? There's no doubt after that story, Dan, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he will be in the Hall of Fame, it's a certainty, but... I think it's just where he plays such an arrogant, just don't like the character, which is, I suppose it's good character in character portrayal from... No, without doubt. Well, I really enjoyed it, so go and check it out. So, two dudes with attitude. And uh, the quick catch-up on how Kevin Ash and Shawn Michaels got into the industry. A brief look at their careers without leaning too heavily into or completely ignoring the past. It was quite a nice touch. We get a nice look at Nash's early life. Basketball to WCW, part of the Master Blasters, basically a rip-off of the uh, Legion of Doom had just gone to WWF at the time. And then Oz, yes, the great and powerful, into Vinny Vegas as well as kind of Las Vegas-type character for him. For sure, Michaels wanted Kevin as a bodyguard in WWE. He saw him on TV in WCW and said, I think that can really work for him. He didn't know him, but uh, Sean says to him he wasn't liked, but Nash said he's got his back regardless, and um, that basically started the friendship. We see... As well, I mean, mullets were running wild in 1995. Of course, Diesel coming in and uh, teaming up with Shawn Michaels in early going. And then the night after Survivor Series 1994, winning the WWE title off of a Bob Backlund in about eight seconds. We see some really great clips uh, there at MSG as well with the fireworks going off. Uh, backstage, King Kong Bundy congratulated him with the road agent as well. It was a really, really nice touch. 995 was a bit of a weird year for the WFLO. Uh, Diesel versus Shawn Michaels was for the championship at WrestleMania 11. Main event by LT versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, Shawn Michaels didn't really get great heat for having all the titles in the fall of 95. Uh, Diesel was pretty solidly a babyface world champion at the time of Shawn Michaels next in line, taking on the hills in Yokozuna, British Bulldog, and uh, Owen Hart. As I that, the documentary seems pretty accurate based on other recountings. Michael admitted that the heat he was more concerned was from the locker room and he fried off it. And then, of course, the curtain call, um, you know, which was quite a big incident. And they kind of touched on that with Nash and Hall, of course, leaving for WCW. And then uh, towards the end as well, you know, Michael's and Nash is a guy... The W did come full circle, but didn't abruptly cut off from good friends, better enemies. Uh, you can see the contrast of personalities of two met in the middle for the love of the wrestling business reflected their uh, friendship as well. The utilisation of unseen footage continues to be a strong suit. Outtakes from a bygone era aren't something that are plentiful in the regard and help balance the serious nature of the story. For a quick glimpse of Vince Man setting up shots, more advanced looks at Diesel's MSG World Title win. There's a lot of material even most dedicated fans hasn't come across. We want to hear W loves reasons to use the candid footage. And there you go. This is really, really good stuff. We move on to news. News! Hey, Dan, do you want to start us off? Uh, former WWE superstar Hornswoggle, now known as Swoggle, made his boxing debut at the Rough and Rowdy event in West Virginia on Friday night. And things didn't go to plan for the former cruiserweight champion. No, he took to Twitter to praise his opponent, Jeremy Smith, noting that he was out of his depth in his boxing debut. However, the former W Spark explained that he was proud for even to try boxing. Apparently, he got caught with a short right hand, Dan. James, James, that is... Move on to law. 
Well, the US Supreme Court ruled Monday it will not hear a lawsuit filed by a former WWE wrestler who said the prominently hid its knowledge about the long-term ramifications. The Supreme Court did not issue its reason behind refusing to hear the case. Lower courts have already dismissed the lawsuit saying the plaintiffs could not reasonably prove WWE new concussions could lead to long-term brain. Well, a working relationship and WWE officials are reportedly in talks with MLW. It was noted in the latest of the Wrestling Observer newsletter that WWE does not like the reputation it has as not working with anyone in the modern pro wrestling world. Well, regarding MLW and WWE, the talks are along the lines of the old Evolve deal or a decree to the ECW deal from the 90s. The idea is to give some of the development guys who aren't working NXT some work on TV. There's also the idea of WWE creating its own Evolve-like group as a weekly streaming show, but this would allow the talents to work at actual TV and get more exposure on Peacock and the network. And also makes it seems that WWE is changing and modern. There's also the idea of alleviating the frustrating talents on the roster and basic, especially with no NXT live event running right now. And it also said that people see AEW having a partnership with NJPW Impact and AAA and W wants to make it look like they're not set in their old ways and uncoppering. Well, there's no word on if anything will come of the WWE MLW talks or a time frame on. But right now, within WWE, there is a mentality to work with. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see. But now we move on to NXT UK. It's the 15th of April. Well, Andy Shepard opened the show at London's BT Studios as some highlights from WrestleMania of current and former NXT UK stars aired. Yeah, we see people like Ray Ripley, of course, winning the women's title, a Pete Dunne at TakeOver, of course, Volta against Chumpa and Rampage Brown. Yeah, of course, we had NXT UK Prelude with Bate beating Dar to become number one contender to the Heritage Cup and Walter beating Brown for a title. And I've got to tell you something, the NXT UK theme is growing on me a little bit. I quite like it. You push right back. Yeah. No, well, bet not. Well, we start off with Nathan Fraser versus Saxon Huxley. Well, Huxley ragged old Fraser right away, but the former Ben Carter athleticism to evade the bigger man, the best of He still got thrown around and pummeled a good amount. He got in some offence but was quickly beaten again. Well, Fraser finally managed to hit reverse cross body off the ropes as Huxley looks to put him on the top rope. He sent Huxley to the outside, then followed up with vicious dive through the ropes. He hit a quadrada into reverse DDT, followed by a top rope drop kick, and he went up top again and delivered a beautiful fog splash that got him the pin and the win. Well, thought the former Ben Carter turned down AEW for this. Eh? Yeah, do you think that's a good idea, Dan? Because, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, he was on uh, AEW, but he's come to NXT UK, and there's Nathan Fraser. He wants to start from the bottom up. I mean, that shows you a bit more determination, doesn't it? I think it does. You know, I think you kind of saw what was going on with AEW and how it's only the Young Bucks, Cody, and a few um, other old returning ex-WWE legends kind of getting under the spotlight and, you know, he knew there was going to be no chance unless, like, you know, it's going to be an odd ass whooping on uh, AEW Dark or to do for him. And another thing, I hope he doesn't get slapped with a potential tag and stop comparing him to, like, Dynamite or Rollins or anybody like this. He's his own wrestler and let's start building it from there. Oh, yes. Uh, Noam Dar with Shah Samuels was asked about losing with Tyler Bate at Prelude. Samuels shouted and then went off about Trent Seven being handed off a chatter. Dar revealed that he signed a match between himself and was against Bate and Seven. Yeah, can't wait to watch that one. I love Dar and Shah. I mean, like, it's the way... <laughs> Calm down, mate! <laughs> yes, that's the way he's... And Dar just goes around and is... Of course, we were lucky enough to see these two guys back in uh, 2016 working the kind of fucking British circuit. So it is great to see them now as well. Oh, Shah Samuel's absolute brilliant. He is kind of like an absolute brilliant classic hill. And I hope he's still got his scarf. Yeah, without a doubt. And his, uh, 
braces as well. Well, we get a Supernova s- sessions with Gallus. Plugged the tag team match for next week. Gallus then entered, sat down on Dar's couch, but didn't make him happy. Tried to get on the couch room, but they made him sit on a folding chair. Mark Coffey talked about them being on holiday, training in the morning and drinking in the afternoon. Wolfgang said he worked on his anger management. Joe Coffey said he wanted to go a rampage. Well, Eddie Dennis walked up on a set and asked Gallus if they really held themselves to a higher standard than the tag team. He said he only lost the tag team titles to Pretty Deadly because Joe got involved in their business. He said he wasn't dressed to fight in either with Gallus, but they were, as the Hunt or Primate and T-Bone, if that's what you call now, attacked Mark and Wolfgang as Joe got into it with Dennis. number of referees ran out to break things up as Dar was having a blast and called for his funky music to be played. Well, we actually liked all of this. You know, it was a good segment. It was kind of highlighting different character traits as well. Uh, And I think Eddie works as a better uh, manager than he does wrestler at this point in time. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Sam Gradwell walked up to BT Sports Studios and the door to the arena was closed and he banged on it. Dave Mastiff opened and Gradwell asked if Mastiff closed it again. And left Gradwell out in the cold. You yogurt! I absolutely love Sam Gradwell and his look and the whole gimmick. Him and Charles Samuels would have a great uh, shouting match. But at least he's recovered from Myers' ass kicking. Uh, and we see Mustache Matt talk about their match against Dart and Samuels next week. And uh, they are back, baby. So not only are we are back, Dan, but Mustache Mountain as well. That's it, James. Yes, you are the Trent Seven to my... Um... Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay. How can you forget Tyler? How long have you been away? Come on. Brain fart. Well, up next, it's Isla Dawn versus Amelia McKenzie. Yes, Dawn backed McKenzie into the corner, but quickly was hit by a kick and found herself in a side head, followed by a suit. Dawn hit a backdrop driver for the two count. McKenzie caught her in a small package. Dawn locked in a butterfly submission. She hit a drop kick and the leg and a running European uppercut and then did a forward roll off the turnbuckle spear for another pinfall attempt. Well, Dawn came back with a running knee into the corner followed by a fisherman's suplex for a two. Two. McKenzie hit a high angle back suplex. She threw a shoulder block and strikes into the corner but caught a Dawn kick. Ruffy stopped her. Dawn follows up with a bridging German suplex for the pinfall victory. This was a very good match. Indeed, yes. Well, Ginny with Joseph Connors cut a promo on Danny, who she will face. She said Luna walked around with her ugly face and she didn't want and she didn't deserve to be here either. She said Luna wore the same dirty outfit to the ring every time and would become a fashion. Well, we get a video recapped. Eva Valkyrie challenging Mika Satamora after the tag team match at Prelude last week. She put the feather down in the aisle. They showed Satamora walking up to Valkyrie backstage later and telling her she knew what this meant. Seps. So how's it? It's pronounced Aoife, but I know that cannot be a name. A-O-I-F-E. I'm sorry, but... It's Alfie. It's Aoife. Well, it's either that or something else, anyway. Well, it's definitely Jack Stars with Piper Niven versus Ashton Smith next. I definitely yes. know that. Well, Stars with a Z, briefly got Smith into an ankle lock early, but quickly got kicked off. Smith worked over Stars' arm, but then Smith came back with a stiff clothesline out of the corner and hit a back suplex and a gorilla. But Stars kicked out. Uh-huh. Attempts. Well, Stars escaped a vertical suplex but got slingshotted over the top to the outside. Niven encouraged him, told him to dig deep. He eventually evaded the clothesline, rolled Smith up for the victory. Niven celebrated with Stars and even kissed him. Ooh. Well, my thoughts are, where is this kind of like um, an Odie Rose type thing? I think Niven is going to end up breaking Stars' heart. But then again, it's been interesting because she has been helping him along the way as well. But are they just friends? i tell you who's not friends anymore, Dan. Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. Because that is our main event for this week. We see a great video uh, basically getting to where they are right now. And we've just seen the entries. Amir Jordan has literally just called for the bell as he wants a piece of Kenny Williams. This is the first match 
with for a very long time on the WNL podcast. But Dan, can you associate with the story? I mean, two friends used to do everything together, but one of them got bored of the other one. One of them thought the other one knew too much and just got sick of his stick. So what did he do? He stabbed his best friend in the back. I mean, well, maybe it was his best friend's fault that they lost the fucking tag team titles and were no longer number one. Well, they, Dick. Didn't, they didn't lose the tag team titles. That's the whole point. It's a beauty of this story. The fact that Jordan didn't want to cheat to get to where they were. Williams did. In opportunity, he said no. And that's why Williams attacked Jordan for. So it's even the opportunity that they got. There is uh, deep, dark blood here. And I tell you what, Amir Jordan is a great face. But it'd be interesting to see how he's firing up at the moment. He doesn't look too bad. What are your thoughts on these two competitors and this story? Because I think it's been quite a long time. I mean, this has been six months in the making. It has indeed, yes. Um, You know, there's certainly going to be a big grudge match here. You think they're going to try and replicate something along the lines of uh, Gagapa? Like, you know, kind of uh, imploding after a tag team match and having a few fantastic rivalry matches. Well, this is the thing, and this is a good thing about it as well, because, you know, you look at the two. I mean, maybe Williams, you would say, at the moment, is uh, maybe got better potential, but I still think there's something very likeable about Jordan, and you don't want to kind of maybe have a Michaels and Janetti situation uh, where you kind of, you know, have one over the other, but... It'd be interesting to see. Who do you think it favours? You know, when we, we talk about friends turning each other, is it the hill or face that usually comes out on top? But then you go back to Gagano and Chomper, I think both men benefit. Well, I think they did, but I think when sometimes when, you know, you look at the history, sometimes it's the uh, the good guy that maybe falls by the wayside. And you can see the market on Williams already, the cut on the back onto the stairs. Well, this certainly is a grudge match, you know, um... Better friends, uh, bitter friends, better friends. No, Your good friends, better enemies, would that that's be? But goes. like I say, this is an interesting story I hear because tag team partners for a very long time. And even when um, Williams was injured, he put Jordan in some uh, single matches to get him to fail. And Jordan was kind of fluking the victories. You can just see the annoyance. You knew this was coming. And finally, it has exploded here. And you can see with the uh, the taping on the back, Jordan... He's not 100% anyway, and he's definitely won't be now sent it to Barry Kay. Yeah, but Williams is happy to get the count out. As I say that, he just starts sliding out of the resin, getting up, and uh, goes to a back in. And now taking off the taping of the shoulder, which, I mean, all fair in love and war, isn't it, Dan? You've got to target the injury. That is it indeed, yeah. You know, if you're going to go out there with it taped up, it's like a bullseye on your shoulder. But the thing is, you can see the scar on the back of Williams now as well. Maybe Jordan, if he can get back into it. But he said, you know, talk about how close they are. They just want to get their hands on each other. So who are you backing in this? And you backing a bit of revenge for Jordan, or are you backing? I've always got back the face. I mean, he's just been screwed over, Dan. You know what I mean? His best friend turned his back on him, left him by himself. Well, how do you think Shawn Michaels felt? His best friend jumped through a window. <laughs> but let's look at the history of that, and then we look at you know tag teams. Are they just destined to be split up in WWE, or should you know have gone a little bit longer? Like I said, this is a six-month storyline. Should they have actually held the titles like Gagano and Chumper did, and actually add a little bit more history? I think this is still a good storyline to have on NXT UK. It is a good story, you know. It's something that it's good to see NXT UK can actually finally build on. You know, after they've had some time to get running. They can kind of develop a bit of um, story. No, I think without doubt, again, I think this is what we're seeing. And it, uh, it's maybe don't watch it. It's to UK, but I definitely think it's 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 an hour and a half show crammed into an hour. Like, and I think that's its problem. It could be a two-hour show with the amount of talent that we've got on here. But I think with the relationship with BT Studios, 
you know, and how it's going at the moment. But even this one, you know, people might look and go, well, these two guys. Is there potential for these two? I'll do the old Dan question. If you're looking at these two guys now, which one has a better chance of success and why? Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think Williams, I think he's got quite a good look. You know, I like the trainers in the ring. You know, I like all his... He's got kind of like a bit of a funky colour scheme going on. You know, you can see him be a bit of a dickhead hill. You can see him be a pretty boy face, you know. Similar to a young Randy Orton. And he is tight and ripped. But I quite like... I think baby faces are quite hard to come by. I think a good guy to feel sorry for. And I look at Jordan and maybe, yeah, he's not in the kind of best of shape. But I think that's something I can relate to that. And I think the way he's kind of selling this match up as well, I think that's sometimes it's easier to be a heel. Would that be fair to say? I think it is easier to be a heel, yeah, because you can get away with doing pretty much a face. Everything has got to be clean cut. Even kind of down to your wrestling moves in a match as well, you know. No fun pokes to the eye, you know. you kind of got to get out of rest holds the power way or kind of like, you know, the rope break way as opposed to lulling the hair, you know, taking shortcuts. Well, it's even like this now, and it, it, the story of it, you know, is can Jordan fight in this? But that's what made Shawn Michaels so special, is that he looked like he was getting his ass kicked, you know what I mean? You felt kind of sorry for him because of the reaction. I say the reaction on the face, you can't really see it now because Williams just got his boot in the back of his neck. But do you know what I mean? That kind of way of trying to get back into it. And Williams just been in complete control at this moment in time. But do you think that's kind of uh, Amir's way, well, you know, their kind of way of building Amir, say, look, you know, come on, look, this is a facing, you know, facing. Cheer for him, chant for him, come on, get behind him, start tapping your feet, you know, start bouncing, clapping, trying to get him back up into this match. I, I think that, and that's what makes a perfect face as well when you're able to do that. You kind of get lost in it, you just don't think that's the kind of pattern of each matchup as well, if you're just telling a story. What I like about this match so far is the fact that they've done no technical. There's been, how, how many moves have we seen? This has been yeah. two guys who dislike each other, and it's actually showing as opposed to them you know doing la da technical absolutely yeah and you know it's like it's not i haven't done my homework you've come out with a taped shoulder right i'm gonna target that the thing is it's not pretty but it's effective and these two guys you know just show you the problem is as well yeah if they start busting out the moves they're gonna know each other so well indeed everything can get reversed but you know it is a good way of showing look we have got an aggressive side to us we can kick the shit out of us it's not wrestling move chain move wrestling move you know it's not this that and the other it is throwing haymaker in the corner using the whole five break you know doing everything you can to hurt your opponent yeah you can definitely tell it's personal stakes in this match that was nice there like an execution but couldn't get him down but what i like to see in these kind of things when the heel is so cocky and he hits a big move, and it's like one, two, and he pulls up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And it's like, you're going to regret that, you're going to regret that. And a lot, I do, you know, that's something that as much of nowadays. Yeah, I would have to completely agree there. Like I said, the, the hill tendencies and the face tendencies, I think, get a bit lost for people just trying to do cool moves, so to speak. Speaking of cool move, that was lovely there from Jordan off the top. Swanton bomb. And uh, look, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but he landed fully on Williams' body there, as opposed to anywhere else. Now maybe looking to put Williams away. He looks in a bit of trouble here. So what do you think? This is started off as a slobber knock, and now they're kind of like each guy's going for a biggish impact. I think the end is coming now. Both men just trying to put each other away. See Williams with a roll up there, but Jordan knows it. Very, very innovative pin, but Williams having to kind of twist his body out of that one. Lovely step up into Larry. Well, that wasn't bad by Williams. I mean, how would you compare it to Dean Ambrose there, the clothesline? No, you, you can't. Sorry. <laughs> no, you can't. Just what? when I thought 
Well, both men down. Referee counts. Looks a bit of Fabian Knight. Not Fabian Knight. Sorry, Marcel Barthel. And now Williams and Jordan just looking at each other on the canvas. Kick to the chest. And it's definitely bad blood here now. It's forearm strikes. Williams going low. Huge uppercut. Just working that body as well. Then the palms. To finish Jordan. Jordan going for the big boot getting caught. Face plant. One. No. Two. And that was really nice by Jordan there. Getting the shoulder up at the last second. Looks like to be a goner then. Can you be a hill with a penguin tattooed on you? <laughs> he's got a lot of work to do, but he calls himself the scum of the earth. And now he's looking to undo the top turnbuckle. And the old healy top turnbuckle move. Well, that's, you know, that is a good one. Distract the ref. Ah. Uh, goes to the other corner, but Jordan catches him. Two. Yeah, two. Now the referee. Oh, and that was clever there. They went close wow. to the referee. Looked like we'd blow him, but Jordan oh. had it covered. Met him with the super kick, but couldn't keep him down. Wow, that was yeah, that was a very good. Uh, <laughs> I'm very impressed with like, you know, kind of evading it. Well, heels will be heels, and I guess uh, the face outsmarted him then. But Jordan now struggling to get up on that second turnbuckle. It's been exposed. Oh, Jordan's shoulder gets thrown straight into the turnbuckle pad. Williams kind of covers his tracks, plants uh, Jordan face first into the mat. Two, three. Oh, well, underhanded tactics there from Kenny Williams, but he beats his former friend. Dan, what were your thoughts on that matchup? I, I thought it was actually quite good between the two. Then. You know, they were telling a very good story. I think there'd be a bit more between these two guys down the line. You know, kind of like a grudge match for Jordan, hoping to get some retribution. I doubt, but good, good stuff there. And it shows you when two people actually don't like each other. We move on to our next episode, 22nd of uh, April. Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome fans for NXT UK. We kick things off what could be a wild brawl. It's Joe Coffey versus Eddie Dennis. Well, both men go straight for a collar and elbow tie-up. Eddie Dennis pushes Coffey towards the ropes. Coffey then shoves Dennis off him. Their match then spills to the outside. Coffee decks Dennis with a hard right before sending him back into... He continues his dominance. Dennis then counters with a strong judo throw. He then holds Coffee down with a tightly gripped front face lock and then looks for the first cover of the match. Joe Coffee kicks out. Oh. And then Coffee tosses Dennis halfway across. Well, then Dennis hoists Coffee up in a crucifix position. Nigel Beginners calls Dennis Slam a splash. Seven bridge. Can Dennis capitalise on Clock Slam? No. Coffee stays alive. He then traps Dennis with a Boston Crab submission. Ties the T Brown and Primark Club off the apron to trap Coffee while he has Dennis tied up. Gallus boys run out to even the odds. T-Bar and Primate smash both members of Gallus towards the opposite guardrails. Back in the ring, Coffee hits his discus lariat for the pinfall victory. Yes, Tyson, T-Bone and Primate charge in and lay a beat down on Joe Coffee. The rest of Gallus runs in and cleans house. Well, this was a badly big men. I mean, Dennis is really lanky, but this should be leading to a six-man matchup. Isn't it entertaining uh, all round, low, I suppose? Yes, indeed. Ear Dragunov. Relives his hard-fought battle against Walter from last October. As he's re-watching his last match, he starts to... I fucking love where this story is going with this one. I've been fucking brilliant. You've been a huge ear dragon. Oh, it's just every time someone slaps him, he loses his shit. And it's just great. Backstage, Joe Coffey and Rampage Brown run into each other. Coffey tells Brown he wants his rematch. And Dave Mastiff versus Sam Gradwell. You yogurt. You yogurt. Well, both men go for a tight luck up in the beginning. Dave Mastiff works Sam Gradwell's left arm by twisting it around. Gradwell ducks and shoves Mastiff out. He then runs round the ropes and meets a heavy kick from Mastiff. He then rolls on top of Gradwell just two. 
Mastiff then has Gradwell up in the fight. He tosses him across the ring and Gradwell then changes the pace with full count. And Gradwell keeps working on Mastiff with a tight rear chin lock. Mastiff fights through with vicious headbutt followed by a crossbody from the ropes. Mastiff will recover. Gradwell kicks out. Uh-huh. Mastiff clocks Gradwell right in the mouth for turning Gradwell inside out with a clothesline. Gradwell calls over to the corner. Mastiff wants to go for his cannonball finish, but his back is worn out from the kicks Gradwell laid down earlier. Gradwell then holds the big mat, slams him down on the mat. Gradwell hooks a leg and scores a victory over the bomber. Sam has the look and the confidence to be on the main roster, and I stick by that. Yes, well, let's hope he can get some momentum. And as for Dave, he's a guy to beat. Not Vigo. Yeah, it was a good match. And next week, Aoife Valkyrie will get her opportunity to face off against Miko Satamora. Yes, and we'll take a look at Amelia or Millie McKenzie's rise here on NXT UK. She says she's excited to make a name for herself and rise to the top of them. We get Ginny with Joseph Connors versus Dana Luna next. Well, Danny Luna hoists Ginny up and drops her face first on the mat. Ginny then lands a hard slap across her face before stomping away on her back. Danny then returns the favour with a slap of... He stretches out Danny with a high octopus. Danny then takes Ginny's foot off her neck but leaves herself wide open. Ginny locks up Danny up in the same position. Danny breaks free with a nice slam. He hoists Ginny up with two deadlift suplexes followed by a brain buster for just a... T- well, Danny hoists Ginny up the firewoman's position. Ginny fights free with a few elbow strikes to the side of the head. Joseph Connors climbs up to the apron to distract Danny. Ginny rocks Danny with a kick to the leg, a rolling kick. Ginny sacks Danny up and wins the matchup. Well, after the match, Ginny continues her attack on Danny while Joseph Connors taunts Flash Webster Morgan and Mandrews run out and come to Danny's aid. They help train. <coughs> they help train her though. Oh, that's cool. Uh, both women impressed me. This was a solidly worked match, enjoyable stuff. But as long as Kayla Ray's Hill, Ginny. Well, Sid Scala will grant Amir Jordan and Kelly Williams another match. However, there are big stakes to this rematch. The loser has to leave the UK. Wow, so that is huge. Loser leaves town. Uh, next week, Rohan Raja will make his in-ring debut. He's British-born, Australian-raised, Canadian-trained. His first match will be against Tierman. Well, who had just debuted himself? Following the break, Tioman says he's laser-focused to take out Raja in... Yeah, and now the main event, Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus Nam Dar and Shah Samuels will be Dart and Bate to start. What's it like seeing Mustache Mountain make their entrance <laughs> though, Dan? It's great. And what are your thoughts on Shah Samuels? Absolutely brilliant. And seeing Shah Samuels in there with his braces on, absolutely... Are these four the best in NXT UK or just wrestling? Or where would you put them on the list, if you um, were showing these four guys off? Well, certainly they are at the top of British wrestling. You know, w- without a doubt, they are up there. Um, they are very, very high in NXT. And, you know, they, they are high up in wrestling overall. You know, especially Mustache Man. Shah Samuels, absolute character work with him and Noam Dar. You know, well... Uh, should they have done more with Tyler Bate? Like we said, we've seen him as the first NXT UK champion. Has he been treading ground too much? Should we have seen him move up somewhere or do something else? Is it weird that he's still doing the same shit, you know, like, you know five years later? Um, I, I would Which, love... Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I think it's time for Tyler Bate to just leave and never come back to... Oh, I'm the Trent Seven, I've got yeah. individual. No, but You're see- a husky fella with long hair and a big beard. Yeah, I suppose so, I suppose so. Uh, no, but seriously, though, what about Tyler Bate? Like, um, you know... Tyler Bate, I would absolutely love to move up to maybe even Raw and SmackDown, the main roster. What I would hate is a comedy British character like Jack Gallagher. I'd hate to see him get used onto 205 Live. 
I think um, Tyler Bate is certainly worth a lot more. Just think of the match with Daniel Bryan, Cesaro. You know, the likes of them, the acting time they could have. And how great is Charles Samuels for anybody? I mean, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, but in ring as well, maybe people think, you know, I just love him so much. Can you explain why he's so great? What What is it about him that makes him work? The butcher of the East End, of course. Exactly. Um, well, Charles Samuels, he's kind of like a larger-than-life proper East End <laughs> fucking geezer. And there's nothing we love more on here than a proper fucking East End cockney Fucking cockles and muscles eating, pint sipping, Shah fucking Samuel. No, he's great though, but he scared the shit out of us. He ran into like the third row when we were there. He just interact. It's a shame there's not a crowd here because of how interactive he is, but he's exactly the same. They did say brilliant though when they debuted him. They debuted as a different name. And he got on the mic halfway through the match. He goes, my name's not this. It's Shah Samuels. And for a second, I thought they fucked him. And they did introduce him so perfectly. He's lost to Joe Coffey. So they're showing him like he's not a kind of main event talent. But I think the association with Dar can only help both men, you know, because of where they are. And especially, Absolutely, yeah. I would say the Supernova Sessions is something Dar has every kind of week on NXT UK as well. So it is helping him out. The question is, what about Mustache Mountain? Are they having another crack? At the top, you know, gets pretty deadly, or do they deserve to go somewhere else? Um, well, I think you know, with um, with these two guys, it's certainly like you know, you need a couple of names to kind of hold the brand, and I think that is what Tyler Bate is doing. You know, alongside with a few of the others like Volta, Ia uh, Dragunov, he's kind of like you know, he's someone that's fascinating to watch. And I think you know, if they move any of them guys on, there's going to be kind of like you know, a quarter of less reason to watch it so you know keep them on there for as long as possible and then get someone else build someone else up and then when they're big enough to take the reins and then you can say right Tyler Bate see what you can do elsewhere do you think Trent you know because this is the thing as well interesting with Trent Seven and Tyler Bate does Trent Seven deserve his chance you know to go for the NXT UK title is he believable you know in the case of Charles Samuels with Lionel Dark do you see them in the NXT UK champions I mean Dark and Samuels are so funny I could see them on the main roster fucking around the same with the mustache mountain but would they get the opportunity that's the thing i think you know with kind of with the new day kind of you know having biggie going one way and uh they need kind of some light-hearted on there as you know as form of a team i don't want mustache mountain to fall into that category yeah you know the kind of mustache mountain is a bit of a ridiculous concept it's something that works for them but it's something that could easily be t- over to America on Raw and it kind of turned into something completely different, yeah, British yeah, yeah. of tea and old bowler hats walking with canes and that. And I don't want them to, to kind of fall into that category. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think that definitely works in its UK as well. We get to see the kind of, like I said, the supernova special, the humour involved. That would maybe, yeah, change it up as well. But the thing with Samuels is that, and the thing I like about him, is he's character at all times. And I don't think there's enough wrestlers anymore that are just constantly, like, like, his main job is to antagonise people. And like I said, when you see a wrestler, you think it's a shame there's not a crowd. You'd get, have him on his back straight away, you know? Absolutely. He'd be talking to people in the front row. <laughs> yeah. he'd, be, he'd be giving them some sort of sh- But he is someone, Charles Samuels, that I don't... It would be interesting. It would have to be someone on him after a long time, you know? I don't think Dar and Sam... If Dar tried to turn on Samuels, I don't think... So, <laughs> I would have that much success, but it'd be interesting. I don't think, yeah, I think at the moment, I think you definitely see him as a hill, and I think he can go a long way. I don't think 
when you talk about, we talked about how, you know, great heels and great faces, I think Shah is definitely on there. I think with Shah Samuels, and now if this ever, fucking, but if Shah Samuels ever became champion, he don't like belts, does he? He likes braces. Championship braces. Wow, that is actually great. I didn't think of that. You know, and if that ever happens, James, it yep. was here first, yeah? You were sat next to me. And sat next to greatness as it uh, erected itself, so to speak. Uh, but the, the, this match-up has been quite simple. Uh, Mustache Mountain's reintroduction, and it has been all Dar and Samuels, hasn't it? It's been classic tag team wrestling. Yeah, um, and now kind of Trent Seven's getting beaten down after having a, after wanting to go in there initially against Charles Samuels. Let, you know, big guy against big guy, let me have it. Had a bit of a good run against him, but Charles Samuels fighting his way back, trying to you know get back into this match for the hills. And now um, Dar's been tagged in, a bit refreshed, mocking... That is such a childish British way of mocking. Mustache. <laughs> no, like mustache wanker. Well, now Dar is trying to put Seven away. And of course, Seven's lost a lot of weight recently as he challenged for the Cruiserweight title unsuccessfully. But unfortunately for Dar, still. <laughs> yeah. But then a huge right forearm kind of drops Trent to the mat. Well, we know the history between Dar and Bait. Of course, Bait beating Dar on the prelude recently to come number one contender. To Heritage Cup, I'm sure a kid is watching in the background, but Dar just working that arm. Beautiful. Yeah, takes out the leg, just completely drops seven, goes for a cover. But two. Is Dar getting a little bit frustrated now, would you say? Um, I, I think he is, you know. Um, I think it's one over and done with. Sick of being on the treading water. He wants to make waves, and I think corner going to benefit greatly from having a... I mean, I doubt you can see that Samuels is much more business. Going to definitely cut the ring off as well as... <laughs> tries to go there. Well, an absolute, you know, again, a brilliant technician of the ring, you know, someone who kind of, he was acting cocky. He's like, oh, he's getting away. No, my body. And this is the thing, a tag team wrestling is mainly, you know, especially in WWE, the kind of same where, you know, you're looking for the hot tag and bait's going to kind of explode, but it's how we get there as well. And if it is enjoyable, you know, like I said, you sometimes you forget it's kind of laid out in the same way. Well, that is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you know, where Noam Dar's a lot smaller than Shah Samuels, he's kind of jumping up and hitting him <laughs> with the southpaw shots to the face. Well, Trent Seven's been in the ring for a while now, trying to get over to his partner. Tyler Bate is like a cold spring, ready for action. Nice kicks by Dar, but got caught, but used the elbow to get away from it. Slap across the knee. Trent Seven, can he finally get the tag? Is he actually naturally grey? Or, or well, he's yeah, looking exactly. really old. He's, he's, he's uh, definitely gone that way as he manages to catch Dar. Finally, get some separation. But he's a long way from home at the moment. Tyler Bate itching to get in there. Tyler Bate shot. Are we just about to? Seven, just trying to get away. Misses the insecurity, though. And Dar catches him German, but gets caught with an elbow. Seven turns it around. A snap. Double underhook suplex. And here comes Tyler Bate. He gets a tag. The matchup I wanted to see. Huge uppercut from Bate. Well, Bate's on fire, babies. The Irish whips. Are we going to see it? Show on the corner. I want to see it. Both men oh. reversing now. Bait underneath. Catches him with a suplex. He can't hit an exploder. He can hit an exploder. And nip up to it. look at the power of Bait. It's the two. No, no, I'm Dar in to break it up. Well, Dar playing great offense then. And seven sends him to the outside. But Dar straight back on the apron. But it's oh, get double team from Mustache Mountain. The pinfall. Oh. Now how did he do that? Do you recognize that referee as well, Dan? No, that is the one we spoke to when we went to our last live show about the WNR podcast. That is the referee that was at the event that we spoke to in the lineup. Yeah. Hey, spring loaded clothesline, <laughs> but 
Samuels manages to escape a slam bait into the mat. Trent Seven. No. no. Seven. Uh, seven still in this one. Yeah, I digress. Maybe I shouldn't have said it at that same point as Jackson was breaking down, but... Yeah, oh, well, he was signing an autograph at home. Well, we flight. should have got his name and spoke to him a bit more because he asked about the WNL podcast and I just... I blanked him because he wasn't Joe Ryan, you know, but there's no Joe Ryan in this Shah Samuels now looking to put an end to Trent Seven. He ducks a close eye on attempt, hits a lovely chop. Counteracts Daru was on his way in. Sends Shah over the top rope. Well, Shah and Dar go flying. Trent gets the uh, tag off Bait as he suicide dive out the ring. Uh, seven goes low. I think Bait's going to go a bit higher. Oh, Bait over the top but slowed down. As he went down, Shah's a legal man, I do believe. As Mustache Matter now looking to put him away. And we've seen this before. Boom. Bait into the cover. One, two, three. Wow, Tyler Bait. Trent Seven, Mustache Matter back with victory in a really entertaining matchup. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Should Shah Samuels have eaten the pin? Well, I thought, Dar. Maybe know, kind of protect a big man. Maybe they're protecting Dar. Maybe they see a little bit more. Maybe that's that's not bad. But what are your oh. thoughts on the match anyway? Um, yeah, I thought it was a very entertaining match. Both teams played it really well. You know, um, all four guys certainly performed out of the park. Um, love to see a bit more of the NXT UK. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. All right, so our next episode is the 29th of April. Our first match is a debut. It's Tierman versus Rohan Raja. Tyman rushes Raja before they lock up, uh, before Tyman shoves Raja backwards, and then Raja hits an arm drag and a diving or slapping Tyman. Raja yells at Tyman and tells him to respect him before Tyman hits him with a forearm and kicks him before Raja comes back with a... Raja then drop kicks Tyman before in a spine two. Two. And Tyman comes back with a d- diving DDT before Tyman locks in a f- cross face before Raja gets to the ropes for the break. Raja then rolls through before Toman snaps his arm for the referee. Well, Tierman wins, but they've got very similar looks, actually. I would say, like, picture uh, Andrade. That's kind of how they look more Eastern European, so to speak. Uh, interesting to lose on his debut, but not a bad match. A finish looked vicious. And I don't know if they added, like, the snap of the arm or not, but very, very scary stuff. And Tierman said, the eye is always watching. Well, we get a video package for subculture. The new group consisting of the South Wales subculture. And Danny Luna. Well, backstage, I dragged off the interview about his latest troubles and having trouble with Bounder from his loss to Volta before Dave Mastiff shows up and challenges to a match. I fucking love this. So, um, yeah, sounds good. We get the announcement of a gauntlet match where the winner will face Kaylee Ray NXT UK Women's title. We get Zara Brookside. Ginny. Isla Dawn. Amelia McKenzie. Danny Luna. Kylie Ray doesn't care. You're damn right about that. But it'd be interesting. At those five, Dan, who would you pick to face Kaylee Ray next? Um, I would have to go for Brookside. You always do. Well, A-Kid has a match with Bate coming up. It's a rubber match in three weeks. And up next, Shah Samuels versus Levi Muir. Well, Shah and Levi lock up for a clean break before Shah kicks Levi in the midsection. Levi then hits a crossbody on Samuels who hits an elbow drop for two. Two. Shah kicks Levi in the spine and a clothesline before driving his elbow into the shoulder of Levi. Then Levi hits a side Russian leg sweep. Shah then pins Levi with a spine buster. Yeah, she loves Shah. He looks great here. Levi did impress those. Good match. Um, and then we see uh, <laughs> Trent Seven at the Performance Centre. Uh, Sam Gredwell interrupts. 
Um, Trade Seven was saying he's the founding father of NXT UK. Would you agree with that, Dan? That he's one of the founding fathers of NXT UK alongside Tyler Bate and um, Pete Dunne. Yes, you would. Yeah. Well, yeah, Gra- Gradwell was signed on the same day. You yogurt. Um, I love Sam, and he liked our tweet. This should be a good match. And up next, it's Miko Satamora versus Eva. Eva versus the best in the world. Uh, of course, she laid down the feather, which I mean, in all cultures, means that a match is going to happen, Dan, isn't it? You know. Well, that is the equivalent to slapping someone in the face with some dueling gloves. Yeah, without a doubt. Miko Satamora, of course, you remember her, Dan, from the uh, May Young Classic that we saw. The best in the world is trained Oscar and everyone, basically, uh, and came over to NXT UK because Kaylee Ray wanted the best in the world. She got it. Miko came up short, and now we've got young challenger Valkyrie. What are your thoughts on both women? Just from either first impressions or what you know of them. Um, yeah, I think Miko Satomura, she's an absolute legend of the game. She's kind of turning into the female Cassius owner of NXT. Everyone comes in, they beat her. Well, you say that. She's only lost once, and that is to Kaylee Ray. She won a tag team match at Prelude when she teamed up with Mackenzie to take out Dawn and Kaylee Ray. So a win here might propel her back up. Of course, we know the five women standing there waiting to challenge Kaylee Ray, but her being the forever champion... Um, you know, you never know. Does Miko deserve a chance then, do you reckon, to be a champion in its UK or maybe somewhere else? Is there... Yeah, I think Miko certainly, um, you know, in the heritage that she holds behind her, she certainly deserves to be champion. And how great is the women's division in its UK? Because you'll know as well as I do, you know, people talk about NXT and, of course, um, AEW now. But when you consider our champions, what, the first one ever was... Um, Ray Ripley, and then we had Tony Storm, and now Katie Ray. And Katie Ray has held the title for 607 days at this point. It's incredible the heritage that we've created in our championships. Um, yeah, absolutely. And there is so, so much more, like, you know, the women, Miko Satamora, Mackenzie, Piper. There's so much more talent about there as well. You know, you've got Rachel. She's no, an impact uh, wrestler sorry, now, not Rachel yeah. Uh, who's that other? The other one who's... <laughs> are you looking at me as if to say you should... Tessa Blanchard? That's it. There you go. I'd like to see a man struggle. Thanks. Well, why yeah, don't you right. just fucking... It's funny. Well, anyway, let's focus on the match because this is the veteran versus the young lion. So what does the uh, young lion have to do against the person that knows all the... Tr- um, well, she has to come up with kind of something unique, something that Satamora would never have seen before. Something, you know, kind of pull something out of the top drawer. Like what what she has to, you know, because the thing is... I don't know what she's capable of doing. When you're there, this is the thing. Is What's more scary then? You know, what is the proposition? For no someone that's been there for a long time that kind of knows all the tricks in the books and could do anything, or the unknown. And this is what happens when a, a young woman or a young man comes through and debuts. It's like the Goldberg thing or, you know, that kind of thing of... What's going to happen? You could be the next Goldberg, you could be the next Ryback, but how do we know what's in your locker until you've had these matches? So who do you think it favours? Because she's got no fear. Valkyrie challenged Satamora, who's the best in the world, and says, I don't fear you, and I might not even respect you. Isn't that a slap in the face to Miko? Well, no, because Miko Satamora, I'm sure throughout she's had a lot of challenges come up. You know, I'm better than you, we'll place on the spot. I love it. And like you, know? you, like you said, Satamora's not... Uh, well, you was referencing, is Satamora a stepping stone? Is she here just to, you know, take losses uh, gratefully? Or is she here to actually compete for championships and back up this kind of, this ma- massive career inside WWE? Well, you know, I think we're going to find that out on the result of this match. <laughs> well, that's going to be interesting. So it who is. would you be betting at this moment in time in this match? Um, I think uh, Valkyrie kind of coming in, making a statement. 
they wouldn't have her kind of coming in in this way if they didn't want her to make a huge statement and kind of have some... Well, it's been interesting to see what happens. At the moment, it has been basically a stalemate between the two. We see Valkyrie maybe in the early going and a little bit in advantage. But Satamora, I mean, she's been there, done that. She can grind with the best of them. So it's, you know, I think the longer it goes, I think the longer it might favour Miko because then she can put uh, Valkyrie in some uncharted waters maybe if it's been so early on in her career. Yes. Well, you know, it has been... It has been a very good match-up and, you know, it is good to spend their time on the card, you know, get their rightful place, you know, get to have these moments, you know, getting to make a match like this, you know, instead of kind of like, you know, you've got three and a half minutes, but you can with that, you know, these women actually get given time, actually get put front and over other things, rightfully so. I think we're out of doubt. We see Valkyrie there with the first nice bit of offence, kick sending Sakamoto to the outside and then using the ropes there as a foot stomp. And uh, Miko in a little bit of trouble gets thrown back in. And now we're going to see if we're just working that submission there. Very innovative. That is a unique uh, submission. Maybe something that Miko Satomura and all her years of wisdom has never come across. This is the thing. And to go to different styles, you talk about how long the career's been and being in America and being in Japan. But coming to Britain, British women's wrestling is different for the rest of the world as well, isn't it? You know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, you kind of got, got the British strong style, the British women have kind of like their own British women's strong style as well. Right, down we see now pushing down with the feet is just applying more pressure to Miko. She's wandering, there you go, gets to the rope, is that a break? No, the referee's... Well, now she does manage to break it and uh, maybe a little bit of veteran-wise there talking to the referee, just giving her a couple of seconds to catch her breath as Valkyrie goes to the Irish rip up reversed. Huge uppercut there from Miko Satomura. And now nice leg kicks, you can see... Right at the point of contact, wrapping that leg up now. A spinning toe hold. That was nice now, and then rolling through. You can see the bend in that leg. And Valkyrie struggling in pain. It's an uh, inverted figure four, isn't it? Well, sometimes like an Indian death lock, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes might be easy just to tap out. You've got a crit ahead of you. Yeah, you want to get the victory. Well, she manages to make the bottom rope and get the break. Now, both women have kind of had a submission locked in. They've both made the ropes. The resilience is there. Without a doubt, you can see it. Talk about the heart and toughness of a true champion. And our training strikes, I don't think that's a good idea. Talk about a one-legged woman in an ass-kicking contest. Valkyrie now gets a good leg caught. Oh, oh flipped over backwards. Got tossed like a pancake. Kicked in the head. And a cover. But Two. And I'll tell you something, after that kick, looked like it was done. But now Valkyrie going to get picked up. No, blocking it. Oh, Satamora looked like she was going to finish. It's a huge kick to the chest. Satamora bouncing off the ropes, looking for a spinning hit. That gets ducked. A lovely Pele kick. Aoife into the cover, but no. I'll tell you something I've been impressed with in this matchup. The visuals of Aoife, her eyes, I followed that along with most of the anything in this match. And uh, also, just the offence there is really good as she goes up to the top now. Gets caught with a wicked forearm, though. Yeah, well, both with a second rope. Isn't going to end well for Super from Saka, uh, Satamora. Whoever wins this exchange might actually win the match as Valkyrie now goes to Sunset Flip, but Satamora holds on. Power bomb. And I don't think she could have got any more of the cover there. If she could have done, maybe the job done, but the back of the neck now of Miko looks like it's causing her some trouble. But I don't think Valkyrie's in a much better state herself. No, I think power in the legs coming back as she's looking to end things now. Kick missed. Satamora, gut wrench suplex. Yeah, but you've got to think with a suplex, how much does that take out of Miko? There's now both women down, trying to get to her feet. Well, Satamora certainly unable to capitalize. A kick to the chest, and Miko might be lining her up to end it. No! Uh, Valkyrie forearm. Spinning heel kick to the head. Lovely place. Now she's going to go up, try and finish this off the second. Standing moonsault. Beautiful. Two. 
No, only a two count. Two. Valkyrie can't believe it didn't get the job done. Uh, what else has she got left? Well, if second rope won't do it, top rope will. Huge leg drop, but that was missed. Satamora of a DDT. Hands, <laughs> handspring knee to the back of the head. Wow. But Valkyrie somehow looking on, getting up the toughness in her. Not done. We talk about respect being earned. I think it has been. And double axe smash. This will be the end now. Right to the back. Wow. The amount of force that goes into them. But Aoife's still not staying down. She's doing everything she can to get up. Final boss. He's having trouble now, but this just might be the end stage. Oh! Wow. Lights out. One, three. And Miko Satamore gets a huge victory. Dan, what are your thoughts on that matchup and the future now of both women? Wow. Um, I would actually love to see Miko Satamora become the UK women's champion now after that performance. Um... Yeah, she's absolute business, absolutely great match. Credit where it's due to Aoife, Alfie, Valkyrie, whatever. She, you know, she's a brilliant wrestler. I think she's got a huge future as well in NXT UK. I mean, I doubt the facials, the visuals in this matchup, the action towards the end up gave you uh, a story to be told that, you know, Aoife is going to be back in the fold at some point and Miko is moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, we get another really cool video for Dennis T-Bone, a primate known as Symbiosis. I had a bit of that, actually. Did yeah. you? Did yeah, it yeah. Out, I yeah? an osteopath. <laughs> well, yeah. Weirdly, he's debuting next week. Uh, <laughs> we get another great video for Jordan versus Williams, loser leaves NXT UK. That's next week as well. And our main event is Gallus versus Symbiosis. Well, Primate and Joe start the match off for their respective teams, uh, with Primate manhandling Joe and tagging in Eddie, who Joe takes down and controls on. Eddie gets attacked to Primate, who attacks Joe from behind before Symbiosis isolate Joe and then he gets the hot tag into his brother Mark, who hits Primate with a Bulldog, and Primate and T-Bone double-team Joe. Wolfgang then hits the diving senton before Joe hits Primate with the all the best for the bells for the pin and the win. Yeah, this wasn't pretty, uh, all big men. But the question is, Dan, are Gallus turning face? There's not a lot left to do now in NXT UK as hills, are they, really? Um, no, I don't think there is any. And they move up to NXT UK, perhaps, or the main... Yeah, without doubt, but that was a very hard-hitting main event. And, of course, Dan, now that is you done for this episode, uh, but you will pop in again for, hopefully, the end of the month for AEW. You're up for that, yeah? Uh, yeah, end of the month, AEW. Without a doubt. So let's continue in our last episode of NXT UK. So the 6th of May, and we get a normal intro, Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome us to the BT Sports Studios, and we start with a big match. It's I, Dragunov, Versus Dave Mastiff and Dave rocks Aya before throwing him off. And when he tries to hit a German for Aya jumps on his back again, Dave falls back for the referee stoppage and apparent injuries. The officials throw up the X. So basically, uh, it looked like, as we saw the replay, uh, it looked like the point of the elbow from Aya caught Dave flush on the nose, possibly broken it. There was bleeding at a lot of point. Uh, it's a shame this could have been a banger, uh, but the referee had to stop with no choice, and he has no self-control, we saw as well. And he said Dave was trying to help him, but things have to change now. We see lots of vignettes there in, highlight the women's division, uh, head of the gauntlet match, of course, featuring spotlights of Zyre Brookside, Ginny, Isla Dawn, Danny Luna, and Emila McKenzie. We see Kenny Williams backstage get ready for his loser leaves NXT UK match against his former best friend and tag team partner Amir Jordan. Stevie Turner was also given a vignette. Rampage Brown had a backstage segment with Wolfgang and Mark Coffey to set up a match with Wolfgang. And then we see Nathan Fraser was now on Dars and Charles Samuels guest on Supernova Sessions. He spoke about his name change and led to a challenge for a match to come next week between Darren Fraser and Heritage Cup rules. In my opinion, all three of these guys would improve Monday Night Raw. 
Sharma and Darwin money. And Samuel's putting him in a match. He's great. And they hug it out because he sees a little bit of problems there. Backstage, Amir takes his sis, talks even to Sis Scala, head of his match against Kenny in our main event. We get a vignette. Subculture had a spotlight. We then see Bait and Aikid dissect first and the second match that they had. The difference they will do in their third encounter for the Heritage Cup. That was really nice stuff. And that match will be in our next NXT UK podcast. And then we get Trent Seven versus Saxon Huxley. Uh, Saxon breaks Trent in the corner before he escapes and Saxon beats him against the ropes for turning him inside out with a kitchen sink for Trent counters a fallaway slam. Saxon hits several Fez presses for two before Sam Gradwell shows up on a big screen and distracts Trent before Saxon hits a set of powerball for a near fall. Trent then hits a snapdragon suplex into the seven-star lariat for the pin and the win. Trent seven wins. Um, well, Trent needs to win, but he better not be a yogurt. Uh, it's good that uh, Sam Gradwell, big man with a beard, has to act uh, like Brody. Uh, Amaya attacked his eye Brookside backstage during a commercial break. And then the main event, no DQ, loser leaves the NXT UK match, Kenny Williams versus Amir Jordan. Well, Amir rocks Kenny before they whip each other into the corner and Kenny hits a Pele kick to the shoulder before trapping Amir to the ropes and kicking him to the side of the head. Kenny stays focused on the injured arm and his shoulder of Amir before hitting him across the back with a chair and puts him in a tree of woe. Kenny tries to rip out the teeth of Amir with a pair of pliers before Amir fights him off and sends him out of the ring before Kenny rips up the pad into the floor. Kenny sends Amir into the barricade for Amir launches Kenny over the barricade and hits a flying forearm off the top of the barricade. Amir drives a luggage crate into Kenny before Kenny sprays him with fire extinguisher. They end up back at ringside before Amir suplexes Kenny onto exposed concrete. Amir brings Kenny back in the ring and hits a swanton bomb for a near fall before smashing his face into a chair repeatedly. Kenny then sends Amir into the exposed post and sends him face first into the chair for the pin and the win. Well, this was a great match. The story began on Fantasy for over a year and both delivered. And will Kenny get a push? And what is next for Amir? There was brilliant emotion from both. You can see how Amir crying, how upset he was about losing his opportunity. And Kenny with maniacal laughter, so happy what he did. It was brilliant emotion, like I said, from both. And finally, the NXT UK TakeOver Dublin event has officially been cancelled. It was originally scheduled for April 26th, 2020. Bid pandemic forced W to reschedule it to October 25th, 2020. The ongoing pandemic then forced another schedule change to June 20th, 2021. And now the Dublin Arena and Ticketmaster said the event has been cancelled. Of course, our last special was NXT UK Prelude, which is just a kind of regular one. Triple H spoke, uh, spoke in uh, October and said he'd like to hold a future NXT UK takeover event at the BT Sports. Funny thing, if you ever asked me this just a few weeks ago, Europe was in a different place to what it is moving forward. Day thing. So let's hope we can have another NXT UK takeover. Of course, we'll be bringing you um, A-Kid versus Tyler Bate and so much more next month when we have more NXT UK. But that is it for now. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter, at the WR Podcast. I'm at the WRJR. We're WR also on Facebook and Instagram. Across all Google platforms, send us an email, the WR Podcast, at gmail.com. And YouTube, the WR Podcast, where we have all the clips and podcasts. Go at the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So, that is it. Our next episode will be AW Blood and Guts. But until then, I've been James Rowlands. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye.